Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you for coming. Those of you that are um, a little bit antisocial, you probably love this coronavirus scare, don't you? You know, you don't have to shake hands, you don't have to hug people, you don't have to do anything. You just kind of do the little, the little uh, fist bump and then the sanitary stuff like that. So, hey, if that's where you're at, that, that, that's really okay. And um, in fact, um, should it get worse around here, we will take secondary measures, and you're just going to be able to, to, to live broadcast at home. You don't have to show up here at all, and everything will be, everything will be just great. Hey, quick question. Um, how many of you are super famous? How many in this room are super, super famous, happily super famous? Anybody? Okay. You know, how, about, how many of you are, are moderately famous? Anybody moderately famous? How many of you are lucky if your boss remembers your name? Any of you on, on, on that one? That's kind of, that's kind of true. Yeah, there, 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 there was a song, you know, Fame. Remember the song Fame, Fame? I want to live forever, you know. Baby, remember my name. Remember that one? If you do, you're pretty old. Um, that's because that came out a while, while back. The other day, I, um, I Googled my name. Have you ever done that? Have you ever Googled, Googled your name? If you have, you're a little bit vain, but that's okay. We'll just kind of ignore that. I actually Googled Paul Richardson to see what would come up. You know, what would come up. And actually what came up was a Seattle Seahawks football player, okay? He was dominating. It was a Seattle. And so I thought, well, I probably need to narrow it down. So, so I, I, I put down Half Moon Bay Paul Richardson, okay? And what came up was taquerias in Half Moon Bay, honestly. <laughs> so... I said, I, you know, I got to get this down a little bit more. So, so actually, I, I typed in Pastor Paul Richardson, Mariner's Church, Half Moon Bay. How about that? Okay. And you know what came up? 11 arrest records for Paul Richardson. <laughs> so, so not only am I not famous, um, um, and not only do I not exist, I already have an arrest record without that. I don't even, even, even know what that. Um, <clears throat> In my experience, a lot of times our identity and our esteem um, are tied together. Who we are or who we think we are or who others say that we are has an awful lot to do with how we feel about ourselves. Isn't, isn't, isn't that true? I mean, for a large part, sometimes we will say my title from work is, is a large part of, of who I am. Or um, my role or my position at school where I am, you know, on the pecking chart. That's a lot of, of, of who I am. Or what others call me or what others think about me. That, that's a lot of, of, of who I am. And then we come to Jesus Christ and we find out who we really are. And I find out who I really am. And what he says is entirely different than what sometimes the world will say. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about this morning. I, I just want to take time to ask God to bless these moments now. F Father, um, Father of our Lord Jesus, thank you for these moments we have, and thank you for the gift of your word. Um, thank you that it changes our lives. And right now, God, I just ask that you would um, use my words and help me in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are actually in a, in, a, in a whole year, we're calling it radical, and we're calling it radical because I'm such a wild and crazy guy, right? And that, isn't that me? And so cool and so awesome and phenomenally humble. All those kinds of things all, all wrapped up together. No, actually, it's because the life that Jesus has called us to have is not mediocre, and it should never be mediocre. He calls us to say, look, I'm giving you life, a real life. 
And I want you to live it out. And I want you to live it out out loud in a way that other people can see it. Jesus has again and again for me and you to what sometimes is texted out DTR, define the relationship. Jesus says to you, day by day, define the relationship. Meaning, I want you to define who I am to you today. And sometimes we can say, well, I'm I'm just a fan of you, Jesus. I'm a fan. Hooray, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Rah, rah, rah. And Jesus says, no, there's more to it than that. I'm not asking you to be a fan. I'm asking you to be a a what? A follower. A follower is entirely different because a follower says, God and Jesus, no matter what you call me to be, no matter what you ask me to do, no matter where you call me to go, that is where I'm going to do. No matter, no matter what, no matter what it means to me, no matter the changes that have to happen in my life, the attitudes that need to change, the behaviors that need to modify, the people I need to serve, no matter what I have to give up, I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow you no matter what it takes. And, and, <clears throat> and we think, well, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus, yeah, Jesus has said some nice things, yes, but once we kind of break through the crust of it, we realize that Jesus is not just after some cosmetic changes in my life for me to smile more and maybe take a risk and shake hands with somebody when their coronavirus is around. There's more to it than that. Actually, Jesus says, I want your life to be radical and radically different. He says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to start messing up parts of your life, messing them up for good, like how I think. And he's going to talk to me about how to have real and lasting forgiveness and how to deal with a kid who's a jerk and how I can recognize when I'm being that jerk. Jesus is going to talk to us about how to deal with those that hate you and he's going to get into my wallet and he's going to get into my investments and he's going to mess with those. He's going to get into all my relationships and he's going to mess with those. And it messes you up. I mean, it really messes you up. And so that's why I can remember this. If Jesus isn't messing up my life, I'm not doing Jesus right. If he's not messing up my life in some way, then I'm just not doing it right. Because my way, actually, of living life is very, going to be very, very different than the way Jesus wants. And so when he begins to insert himself and I allow that to happen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess me up. And I'm not going to want to do that. But then I have to recall that I'm not a fan. I'm a what? I'm a follower. And there's the big difference here. And he has this big talk in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and Matthew wrote it down, and you can read it. And we've been moving through it, and, and we've been moving through it slowly because, man, each word is just, you know, right, 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 right at us and, and, and changing our lives. And then what he does, <clears throat> he's going to take in Matthew chapter 5, after he has kind of broken us down, he's going to build us back up again, and he's going to say, people like you, and especially like me, guess what? You're one of the most important people in the world. He says this. He says, you. You and you alone are the salt of the earth. He's going to say, you and you alone are the light of the world. Now, now we've all heard those terms before, salt of the earth. He's a salt of the earth kind of guy. You know, you've heard that term before. You know, he's a salt of the earth kind of guy. And, and, and also, we've also sung that song, you know, this little light of mine. What? Yeah, I did better with fame than you guys did with that song completely. <clears throat> but we've heard this so much that we, we kind of don't think much about it. You know, I'm a little light of the world, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nice little, little salt of the earth kind of a person. 
But but if Jesus tells you that's what you are, um, it's a little bit more than just a nice children's song or a nice phrase that we throw out. And actually, um, he's going to help us understand what it means. It, it, so what does it mean to be salt of the earth? You know, what does it mean to be light of the world? Um, if we're the salt of the earth and light of the world, the simple question then is why does the world, why does the earth need salt? And why does the world need light? Now, once we ask the question that way, we begin to already answer that question. We begin to understand what he's talking about and what it means. And you're already figuring it out. Okay, let's talk about light of the world. The world needs light or anything needs light because it's what? It's dark. It's dark. So already Jesus is making a statement about the world that we live in. What he's saying is if the world needs light, then the world must be a pretty dark place. Um, the, 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 the weather here in Having Bay has been nuts the last week. You know, it's been really cold. And then midweek, it got really warm. I mean, you know how beautiful it was on Wednesday? Oh, my gosh. You know, you, you wake up. It got up to 70 degrees. I mean, we're talking a heat wave here in Having Bay. You know, it's 70 degrees. You know, but I'm out there. You know, <clears throat> I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa. I mean, it's just beautiful outside. You're walk, walking around. And, and, and sometimes when the days start out that way, things go well. Things go great. And it's just, it's just, a, it's just a beautiful day all around. And, and, and so we sometimes begin to kind of forget when our world is going really well and the weather's really nice here, that in, in our real world, the big world, there's religious persecution um, that's happening um, all over the place. Churches are not being able to meet. People in Christ can't meet because if they do, they will be thrown in prison. Um, in some places, in some countries, Christianity is being eradicated in almost genocidal proportions. I mean, if you're a Christian, flat out, it's, 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 it's illegal, and, and we want to get rid of you. And even apart from the religious persecution, there's ethnic persecution, and there's hatred, and there's bigotry. I was talking to a friend, a young man who just got a job um, in San Jose Airport, and one of his jobs is to look for human trafficking. And I'm thinking, what? You know, what? And he says, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's here. And, and here's where, you know, you can give you all the statistics about, you know, the number, the percentage of girls that are molested by the age of 10 and the number of boys that are molested. And, 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 and the more you dig into that stuff, you realize this is not a nice place. I mean, I can insulate and isolate myself, and it seems real nice, but... It, it, it's honestly not. And it's not like, well, let's go to Mariners and we can get depressed today. But the reality is, is it's not always that nice of a world here. And some of the individual stories are beyond comprehension. There's darkness that goes on. And oftentimes, not just simply these statistics, but you go home to your household and the anger and the frustration and the unforgiveness and the hatred that's there. And you say, this is not a a light world for me. Well, let's talk about salt. Um, Salt... (laughs) Salt of the earth is not that we're there to make popcorn taste better, okay, or flavor our soup. There's more to it than that. 
in those days, salt wasn't really used for flavoring. It wasn't that important a spice back in those days. It was hot, and, and if you had food, you couldn't just go to Best Buy or Costco and buy a refrigerator. So if you had any kind of meat, you had to pack it in what? You had to pack it in salt, or else it would rot. It, it would decay. And when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, his comment about the earth is it's a what? It's a decaying place. It's a rotting place. If left to itself, without the presence of people like you, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, if we're the salt of the earth, it really says that the earth is pretty messed up. And so what you've got is these two things. He's saying is, man, you're the, you're the light of the world. You're light in a very dark place. And you're the salt of the earth, that you are the preservative in a decaying place, that you now stand in that position to help. Um, now, you have to understand Jesus, when he was talking to the people about this, this was not a, a, a symposium or a think tank of world leaders of the UN that had come together for this you know, high summit. It was not a gathering of all the religious leaders that Jesus was addressing and talking to. Basically, the way Matthew starts out is saying he stood on a hill and lots of people came up to him. And it's to those people, people that didn't have title and didn't have position and, and didn't have office, he said to them, you, and the word he says you, it's you and you alone, you, and you alone are the light of the world. Basically, today, he would be saying, it's not what goes on in Sacramento that's going to save anything. It's not what's going to go on in Washington or New York or any other world capital that's going to save this place. It's you. It's you. That's, that's where it is. It's emphatic. It's you alone. So we can read all we want about what politicians think and what celebrities think and music artists and bloggers and business leaders are doing and philanthropists and teachers. None of them did Jesus say to them, you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth. And so that tells us a, a, a few really important things. Um, um, one is, and if you want to take notes on it now, I'm one of the most important people in the world. And I'm not saying that because it's a boast, and it's not for you to boast or rap bound, but it's for you to understand how critical, how important your role is in this world. You are one of the most important people in this world. Remember back in, in, in middle school, you know, or high school, or back in those days when you kind of roll back in time? And sometimes, man, you think through how you began to try and gauge and, and, and measure your importance on that campus or in your neighborhood. Or now that we're adults, maybe, you know, in our housing development or in our office. And, and, and we do the whole comparison thing, you know. I'm not pretty like her. I'm not funny like him. My parents aren't cool like, like theirs. My mom is always on my case. You know, my kids are always critical of me. I don't have the, the job. I don't have the title. I don't have the position. I don't have the education. And we begin to try and gauge ourselves. How much property do we own? What size house do we have? What kind of car do we drive? What does it say on my desk? You know, what does my business card say? And, it, and it's terrible that 
we have all these kinds of things, and, and, and we still compare ourselves and our stuff with others. And the reason we oftentimes do it is because I have no other guide. I, I really have no other guide. You know, what else am I going to do to try and get my esteem? I was at the challenge day for the middle school kids, and, and they said, man, you, you know, you're you, and, and that's good enough. And, and, and as great as the stuff was, and they did some terrific things, I mean, really, really good stuff, but part of it is, is the kids are still going to go home and still can, can compare their zits and their glasses and their moppy hair with other kids. They're still going to do that because they don't have anything else to grab onto. And you could tell me how important I am in this world, but if there's nothing else for me to go on, I'm going to fall back into my comparison with either your size church if you're a pastor or your size company if you're, if you're a business owner or, or how much you make. We have no other guide. And Jesus says, are you, are you kidding me? You know, are you kidding me? You're the light of the world. I mean, I mean that's who you are. You, you alone are the light of the world, and you're the salt of the earth. And, and, and what God would be saying to us is, I made the way you are. <clears throat> and if you're in middle school, I made you the way you are, with awkwardness and zits and bad eyes and a weird face. And to me, he would say, and no Google presence whatsoever. Because in this way, you are perfect for what I need you to be. You are perfect for what I need you to be. And so we oftentimes lament, why wasn't I given this person's talent or skill to throw a football? Or why wasn't I given this person's intellect or intelligence? Or why wasn't I given this kind of, if this kind of personality? Why am I stuck in the way I am? And Jesus would be saying, are you kidding me? You're exact. I mean, you're perfect. You're exactly who I need you to be because there's nobody else with that combination can do what you can do. There's nobody else. Nobody else. And I can still say, well, why did he make me, you know, this height or this weight or this whatever else on this one? And Jesus is going to say, because there are things I'm doing in your life and through your life that only somebody with your height and your looks and your lack of skills and your lack of talent, only you can do. Only you can do. And that is to be salt and light. Um, that leads to the next, and that would be, I, I have a world, okay? I have a world. And let me explain what this means a little bit. Um, and, and when Jesus says you're the light of the world, I know it means you know, the entire world. But each of us, every single one of us, has their own, what I will just simply call a little world, okay? Now, it doesn't mean you kind of build a castle in your head and live in it. That's, you know, that's psychosis. But, but what he's talking about here is that your combination of friends and your combination of neighbors and your combination of relatives and your family and the people you interact with, the people that, you know, that's your world, your world. And while our, our world kind of intersects, your world is very different than mine, very different than mine. You know people that I don't, I don't know, and I know people that you don't know, and I interact with people that you don't. And, but it's made up of, you know, your surf buddies, your barista, your family, the kids you hang with. The parents on the Little League team, the kids you play basketball with, you know, that's, that's your world. And you're the light of your world. I can't be the light of your world. I, I, I can't. I can't do what you can do in your world. And Jesus has given you your world. Your world. And this is why I think he's saying you and you alone are the light of your world. I don't go to your family reunions. 
I don't even go to my family reunion. It doesn't. <clears throat> it's, it's a whole different on that one. But, but you and you alone, when you go, can help heal the brokenness that maybe is there and offer forgiveness or to give forgiveness to the person that hurt you. So, so, so that is, is your world. And what's great is, I, I, I mean, light, light brings hope. You can bring hope. And, and salt brings help. You bring help. You know, and he's already told us a list of all these characteristics we need to have, you know, poor in spirit and mourn and hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then he's going to talk about, and Jesus is going to talk about, and we start this next week, a whole bunch of other things he's going to talk about that are just going to ream us to the core. But you say, yeah, this is the way I should be, and this is the way, this is the way life will get healed in this. And understand, there's no one else in my world that can do what I can do. There's nobody else in the world that I can do. And honestly, I struggle through the middle school, and even younger than that, the self-esteem issues and the college self-esteem issues and all the different little crutches you use to try and build yourself up and all the different little systems you try and use to build yourself up. It wasn't until I realized that just as I am, exactly the way I am, God needed me, someone exactly like me in my world, that my, my life began to come together again. And I quit asking all these, why am I the way that I, that I am? And that leads to the last thing is, is that I have a calling. I, I have a calling in this. In a sense, if I don't do it, who will? You know, if I don't, if I don't do this, who, who, who will? And Jesus says, you're salt and light. And, and here's a great verse. And, 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 and hold on, it's a, little, it's a little thick, but just listen to what it's saying. Our message, and here's our salt and light, <clears throat> <clears throat> is that God was making all human beings his friends through Christ. <clears throat> God did not keep an account of their sins, and he's given us the message which tells us how he makes them his friends. And there it is. People who are disconnected from God <clears throat> are, are in dark. Excuse me one moment. <clears throat> and yes, this is where Jesus begins to mess us up. And gets involved in our lives and makes annoying little nudges about others. This is where Jesus begins to say, you know that person that stands by themselves at recess? You're salt and light. Go talk to them. You know that neighbor that seems pretty lonely, you know, that no one visits or you know their family lives far away and they don't have any place to go for Sunday dinner or whatever. You're salt and light. You're in their world. Go make a difference there. You have, you have a calling, and God's going to nudge you on that. And the most important thing you can do is actually change the life of another for Jesus by your life. And our emphasis this, this month is on talking to others about Christ or evangelism. And you might say, that scares me to death. It starts with a relationship. It starts with just simply caring about a person. That's how it starts. And sometimes that's light enough to begin to get something rolling. And we're called to do it. And if I don't do it, really, who will? And so we go out, we touch, we love, we care, we get involved. We sometimes invite or sometimes we just simply say to them, hey, I'm learning more about faith. You know, it's so funny. I can talk about the 49ers or the Warriors just like that. You know, but all of a sudden when it comes to about I'm getting excited about my faith, 
boy, that's a taboo subject when that might be something that just turns a corner in someone's life. Hey, we started um, out talking about being famous, you know, and I tried to sing. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to quit my day job on that one, but what Jesus is saying, and please always remember you, you out of everybody else, you are the light of your world. You, you, there's nobody else, and you out of everybody else are called to be the salt of the earth. No one else can bring Jesus and the impact that he can make in a life um, into your world like, like you. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and, and they're going to prepare because <clears throat> we're going to prepare ourselves to take what we call here the Lord's Supper. Sometimes it's called communion. Maybe in your tradition it's called the Eucharist. Um, it's all really the same thing. And we, we read this passage, and I'm going to read it again because let's look at it in a little bit different context. It says, Our message is that God was making all human beings his friends through Christ. All of us, his friends through Christ. God did not keep an account of their sins, and he's given us the message which tells how he makes them his friends. Simply speaking, that there's only one way that God can become, quote, friends in that special way. Now, God loves everybody, he does, but it's our, our, our dark, you know, our rotting, that separates from God and what God did is he's going to say, I want to connect people with me in the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to make them simple, make it simple because we're simple people. I'm not going to have them do a whole lot of religious routines and a whole lot of religious work in order to be right with me, in order to have a deep relationship with me. I'm going to send somebody else who will pay the penalty for the stupid wrongs that, that I have done, and that was Jesus himself. So Jesus not only taught... Jesus sacrificed, and that becomes the whole focus of what we're going to be doing in a moment. Jesus said, remember me. Remember that I came down, I entered in to this world, into time and space, and I took on a body. And there we have the word, this is my body for you. And then that body was there because the penalty for sin is death. And it all works out, and it makes perfect sense. So if you dig a little deeper, someone has to pay for your wrongs. If you want to do it, good luck with that. Or you can put your trust in Jesus who did it for you. And he shed his blood because you should have shed yours, but he took it on himself. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to do a song. And, and as they're doing the song, collect your thoughts, you know, kind of get your heart right, and then come on up and you're free to take take the cup and take the bread and go back go back to your seat and and hold on to it we'll take together as a family kind of as a body and and that's what we like to do here at mariners and maybe you're wondering should i am visiting i should i should i take of this um well the question is is you're absolutely welcome the table's open to all but this is a time for you to search your heart and say maybe Maybe I believe. This is what I believe. And by taking it, I'm going to affirm that belief that Jesus died for me, personally me. And he loves me. He cares about me. So God, thank you for these moments, this time, your gift of Jesus, 
um, that he died for us. And now we remember that and we thank you. Amen. Please come.